Fiction and reality. New stories, new ideas. Little Beth Entertainment. Welcome to the Model Rocket Show at the Model Rocket Show with your host, me, the Rocket Noob. And we are back with episode seven. It's been a while uh, since we recorded. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Maybe you've noticed it's been kind of a distracting year, uh, but we're back. I called up the Rocketry Show guys because I figured we got to kick this off with something fun. So we're doing a good old fashioned workshop episode. We're going to start the show first half with some listener questions. And after that, we're just going to talk rockets. It's all starting right here on the Model Rocket Show in five, four, three, Two, one. Welcome to the Model Rocket Show, a podcast that is all about low and mid-power model rockets, like the ones you buy at hobby stores and fly in a park. And now, here is your host, Daniel the Rocket Noob. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. Uh, I am your host, The Rocket Noob, and uh, hi, it's been a while. Um, haven't done a show in a while because of things, you know, there's been a lot of distractions, a lot of stuff going on, but we're back with a uh, a workshop episode with some of the fellas from uh, our sister show, The Rocketry Show, at therocketryshow.com. Introduce yourselves, fellas. Hey, guys, it's Jim. Yeah, it's Jim. Hey, James. Pleasure to be here. Hey, how's it? Hi, Jesse. Noob, it's, it's a pleasure to be on your show. It's great. <laughs> and we hey, got Jesse. Jesse, yeah. the model rocket guy. Model rocket and guy. C- and CG is listening silently and doesn't want to say anything because uh, <laughs> he's back in control central. He's mission control. So, uh, so how are you guys doing? Uh, great. Just, I mean, considering everything as, as well as can be expected, um, working and um, trying to keep my, I, you know, the perpetual cleaning of the workshop that never happens that I keep on bemoaning about. It's, it's okay because I'm still building rockets, which is the important thing. Haven't had a chance to fly a whole lot, but had enough to keep me from going through withdrawals. That's awesome. Yeah, we are going to talk a lot about uh, what we're working on and what we've been doing. We do have a few listener questions we're going to start with. Uh, So, CG, why don't you roll the first listener question? This is a question for the Model Rocketry Show and the Rocket Noob. Daniel, on every package of Estes rockets and probably other rockets, there's at least two or three motors that are recommended with that kit. One is usually designated as the first flight. Why is that? Why is it preferred to use that first flight as opposed to other motors that may be listed? I know some people want to go right to the limit and want to go big. They want to go to the maximum height and power right off the bat. Why is that not such a good idea? Okay, so uh, why, why would you do a, why does Estes recommend a first flight motor and why do sometimes other model rocket companies uh, recommend a first flight motor especially estes does um do you have to use that motor um why would you or would you not want to go to the highest power motor um and the the answer is well the if you look at the packaging the first flight motor is always the lowest power motor or the lowest impulse motor that will work for that rocket so if it can fly on an a83 for example they're going to recommend you use an A83 for your first flight. You don't have to do that, but there are good reasons they, well, there are reasons they want you to do that. The first reason is, you know, just to test it out. It's not, nothing's going to happen. Nothing bad is going to happen if you put a C65 in a rocket that can fly with an A83. The the rocket is going to fly fine, but 
Uh, Estes, it's not that they don't make money on their kits, but they want you to fly the rocket more than once. They, they're happy to sell you a kit, but they want you to have that rocket to fly again and again because, you know, they, their, their main bag is, is, is rocket motors, really. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's why, for example, if you have a Cato, they're happy to send you a new kit to replace your old kit, you know, because it's not that like they don't make money on the kits, but they really, what they want you to do is they want you to fly over and over again, because that's how they, that's how they, they, their business works. Um, and so the main thing is like, you know, you might lose it if, if it goes too high, you can certainly do it. When I was beginning in the hobby, I never flew A's and I almost never flew B's <laughs> except for once or twice when it was kind of windy. And I was like, ah, these, these suck. I don't like these. So I put C's <laughs> in everything and I, I had a lot of luck, uh, until I came to new England where it is very windy. And that's where I discovered jo the joy of B motors because a uh, nice big field is not as big as you think it is when it is breezy. True. Uh, and so you stick a C or even a D in something and, look out, you know? Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's, there's really, it's just a suggestion. It's like a serving suggestion. Uh, you can, uh, you can use it if you want, you can ignore it if you want. If you don't have an A motor and you got B motors or C motors, just fly on what you want. Just recognize that if it is windy, you may lose the rocket. And that's why that is. I also think that, um, on model rockets, glue can add a lot of weight to the overall. Is that correct? Um, so depending well, upon how you build. Depending on how you build. If you're using epoxy, yes, definitely. Well, you wouldn't use epoxy, I would think. But, but, well, it, but that could also... Yeah, yeah. People do. <laughs> so okay. every, time nice. I, every time I see every time I see somebody do it, I think to myself, you know, I did a, I did a whole blog post about this. We did a whole episode about it. I, I, but it's fine. No, you do what you want to do. That's right. fine. You can add right. extra weight that's not going to... Because glue, most of, the, most of the weight of glue is water and it dries. Right. leaves. But if, as we talked about probably two, three years ago already, geez, it's been a long time wow. on the rocketry show is that one thing that people don't often think can add a lot of weight is paint and actually ah, specifically yes. primer. Um, I, when I, I did this blog post and then we talked about it where I, I weighed a rocket at every stage of construction and it I turned out that. that you remember that? And, and I do. Almost it was my first blog post I read of yours, Noob. And, well, and al almost half of the weight of that rocket uh, was the paint job. Yeah, um, now, it, that's going to that's gonna vary depending on how many coats of paint you need or how heavy-handed you are. Uh, one thing I didn't do, which I've done with subsequent, uh, subsequent builds, is to weigh it both, before, both after primer and paint. And the thing that surprised me, I always suspected that you, I, I use a high-build primer. And I always kind of mm -hmm. figured, oh, that's fluffy. It's light and fluffy. It's not the primer that adds <laughs> the weight. It's the paint. And actually, the primer, if you're not sanding off a lot of primer uh, and you're just sanding off enough to make it smooth, the primer is the, the, the thing that adds more weight uh, than the paint, um, which is just something I've, you know. And it, again, yeah. it depends how heavy you spray, how much right. you sand. Um, but that, that was a full science episode on that one. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then again, that was one rocket, but I've weighed a number of rockets and you know, one thing about getting a nice shiny, uh, paint job is you gotta, you gotta have a nice heavy wet coat at the end. And, um, I also liked, I don't like to sand off all of my primer because I sometimes here's the, here's the, here's the controversial part. Sometimes I wet sand my primer 
and you can't sand <laughs> you can't you can't sand through it or you will ruin the rocket. So you right. can't sand most of the primer off. Like some some people dry sand and they will sand most of the primer off and that takes off all that excess weight. And I just I just I clog up my sandpaper. I just you know, maybe I press too hard. I don't know what it is. But I like wet sanding. And, uh, I, yeah, and on BT82, I, I did a BT82 once when I was learning how to wet sand, and I got right yeah. to those those little crumbles of the, uh, the glass yeah. covering coming up, and I was like, "Oh, I better not do this." So yeah, yeah, you can shred I, it. Yeah, I, I, I was I learned fa fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 considering doing a whole show on just just the whole wet sanding thing because I I know it's a it's a topic that uh, I I posted something about it on the Rocketry Forum a few years ago, and then I saw two other users go at it like <laughs> just go at each other's throats with just name calling and i'm like i think you guys are violating the terms of service here guys <laughs> you know um and uh you know I, I there are there are rocketeers whose work i really admire and who's i i've i've always taken their advice who say don't wet sand and 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 mm -hmm. so i was like well i was avoiding it and then i but i've learned a few tricks that you can do it it just Anyway, did not mean to go off on this tangent, um, but, but yes. Uh, so, so you're right. Yeah, uh, paint can add uh, a lot of weight. Glue, I don't think I don't really think glue. If you're using white or yellow glue, is going to add that much weight unless you're really, really overdoing it. But you know, okay. papering fins will definitely, especially right. if you have a if you got a lot of fin area, paper will add more weight than you think it will. Especially some people like to use um, uh, cardstock for papering fins because they, Whoa, they like that heavy. it strengthens. Yeah. And that, that's, sure. that's nice and heavy. Um, but even a little, you know, even just a, a printer paper can add some weight. Um, and if you got, I got, I got a fin, I got a rocket with lots of fins on it. A, a photon probe and that's this photon probe. And oh, I yeah. built it as a two stager and all that extra paper just, just it made it a little too heavy for the motors. I flew it on one day. Oh yeah. Um, and then you're yeah. talking nose weight too, maybe even with, with all those fins. Well, I didn't have a problem with nose weight because it's a very overstable rocket, but I did have a problem with uh, the rocket lifting off way too slow with those two gotcha. motors and all that, all that paper and stuff. So, yeah. So that's, that's the answer to that and a lot of extra answer. <laughs> so I know Do that, we have, you know, I know that like Apogee will, you know, give you their recommendations. Have you looked at any one of the Apogee kits? Like they pretty much have the entire Roxim list of motors that you can use on their kits on, you know, on the front cover of it. But I, I know that Estes probably does it because they only have a handful of delays and it's not like you have a reloadable motor that you can trim out a delay because you're not supposed to alter those motors. Right. So, you know, depending right. on the weight of the rocket, you know, they're going to use the recommend delay. You know, and if you sim it, you're going to come close to what they recommend. Uh, I'm looking at the Estes doorknob here. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we can all, you know, build those without an engine block and put a big motor in there. I mean, this will certainly fit, you know, an H motor, but do you really want to do that on an NS distort knob that's that small? <laughs> so mm, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah could. but I mean, uh, you know, I have no problem. Like, you know, as long as you can find those, you know, ENF motors that are 29 millimeter right now, cause you know, they're out of production at the moment, but now I understand that they're yeah working to get those back in stock and, you know, getting a machine to manufacture a new version of them. So that's, yeah, really hopefully, good. hopefully the new, the new machines are going to make those. And also the E12 is a little more, I don't think there, there are a lot of Cato problems with the ENF 29 millimeters, not that I know of, but I know no. the, I know the 24 millimeter E motors. A lot of people have had issues with those first, the E9s, which I never had a right. problem with. Um, and then the E12s. I've been um, lucky and, I yeah. have not Catoed on either of them. Maybe I'm lucky. But I yeah, have I've, never, I've, ever Catoed. I've never had a Cato. 
Wow. I'm gonna fly. And I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. I'm I'm going to a launch this weekend. I could easily Cato this weekend. I mean, yep. it's it's surprising. And I've I you know I love E nines. I love them. I as a matter of fact, I flew an older rocket. Uh, my last launch, I stuck an E nine in because I got so spooked from everyone talking about those E nines <laughs> catering. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Then I was like, well, I'm going to put this in an old rocket. And then I had the most beautiful flight. I'm like, I wish they still made these. I mean, right. Oh, I don't want them to, them I awesome. don't want them to blow out. But at the same time, like, yeah, that, that, that the, the longest burning, the second mm -hmm. longest burning black powder motor you could get was an E9. And the, yep. the longest is an F15. The E9 um, is but, the one that I, I use on one of my spinners. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's oh. not good for composites, but a, but a good E9 is perfect for one of my spinners. Yeah. I just love what nice long burn. It's beautiful yeah. flight. Well, like a Maxi Alpha 3 or an Executioner, those, you know, bigger fat, you know, BT-80, 2.6 inch rockets, those yeah. fly amazing on an, on an E9. An E12 mm -hmm. is good, but you're, you're right. It, it's a different flight. So, yeah. no, it's, that's a very good point. Yeah. So uh, that was from Kirk G, one of our listeners. Um, I think we have another one from him. Is that right, CG? We always hear of the kite-eating tree in Peanuts <laughs> cartoons, but the rocket-eating tree is a thing in our hobby. How do you recommend removing a rocket that's snagged high in a tree? Mm. Is there a preferred method? Second question. Assuming your rocket was caught in a thermal and drifted outside your launch recovery field, what's the best way to retrieve from an adjoining property? Is it all right to hop the fence to claim your rocket and then hop back over? Or should some legal permission be granted before entering the neighbor's land? Third question. My low-power rocket always seems to come down near the pad, but anything mid-power frequently gets caught in thermals. Several have drifted away farther than planned. What's the best way to control this short of a shoot release, which is too pricey for my thrifty, cheap pocketbook? Tilt the launch rod? Cut a hole in the parachute? Drill out the motor, position the launch pad upwind. What do you recommend, or are there other options? Okay, so there's three questions there. Uh, so first of all, um, we're going to address the rocket eating trees question. <laughs> uh, I have a couple of answers. One of them isn't going to make people happy, but okay, uh, this is something that everyone forgets everyone even at uh, uh nar clubs uh national association of rocketry clubs uh it, it, but it's it's true that technically you are not supposed to attempt to recover a rocket from a tall tree it is part 11 of the model rocket safety code recovery safety i will not attempt to recover my rocket from power lines tall trees or other dangerous places now, maybe the tall trees thing needs to needs to have another a new look, a, a second uh, 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 consideration from the NAR. I don't know. That's not um, that's not something I'm suggesting. But I do know that people do they do have you know long poles like uh, uh, you know tree pruning poles and things like that that they use uh, or. Uh, you know, a bow and an arrow with a suction cup on it, or a, a you know, I have a slingshot um, and a, and a, a slingshot. Bag. Yep. Yeah, there are various devices people sort of attempt to throw up into a tree to recover um, a uh, a model rocket. And I, you know, I'm of all the the safety recommendations that um, you could ignore. 
Tall Trees is the one that everyone sort of forgets. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say don't, I'm not, I'm not here to tell people do this or don't do that. I, you know, I feel, I feel kind of responsible as a NAR member and as, as a podcaster of model rocketry to remind you that it's, it's, it's against the the safety code. What is, what's a tall tree? How tall is a tall tree? That's kind of a, you know, Great. Don't don't get oh, mad at me man. if you want if this if this bothers you write the NAR <laughs> don't write me <laughs> I don't I don't have any control over it it's just a reminder that 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 is in the safety code uh, which the safety code is something that a lot of everyone has kind of read people kind of remember it differently um, and hmm. people people remember things that are in there that are not in there and they forget True. things that are are in it yep. um every time i see i, I saw somebody on instagram i saw on instagram i saw estes post a picture of a kid catching a, an alpha under parachute oh. like a little tiny rocket and somebody somebody was going after him saying come on you go that's against the rules <laughs> yeah. i see people say this all the time on the forums that catching a model rocket under parachute is against oh, the safety yeah. code and True. it's not it is not in there it is against the high power safety code and it's definitely not a good idea to try and catch a large heavy rocket and i'm not suggesting you do it but if you see some kid catching an alpha which weighs what 30 grams yeah, it's, yeah. just leave them alone it's not it's not in the model rocket safety code. I mean, may, uh, people will frown upon it and maybe your individual club will have rules against it. And that's fine. Right. You know, right. if you have a personal policy about it, if you are running a launch, that's cool. But it's not in the model rocket safety code. Getting rockets out of trees, getting rockets out of trees, however, is. Now, you nice. do with that information what you want. I'm not the, the rocket cops. I'm not going to come <laughs> after you. Don't email me. Again, email the NAR if you have a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't email the NAR. They're, they they deal with a lot of stuff. Just just you know, they've got one paid employee. She's busy enough. Just got to get all those cards out. Just reread. Just reread the policy. Use your common sense and and don't don't be a don't be a, have, a don't be a, a, a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> to the kids who are catching their rockets, if if they're not big rockets. <laughs> I, I have one solution that actually happened to a friend and I when we were launching. If I can just throw it in real quick, if that's okay. Throw it in there. Okay. Um, well, a uh, buddy in mine, we had, he flew his D-Region Tomahawk on an E-20 uh, composite, white lightning motor, beautiful flight, straight I up. Uh, yeah. Just fantastic. I and, can see it. And it's drifting down, drifting down, and it hit, it's like, oh, crap, it's going to go in the tree line, and it hit into a tree. This was at the place, the school that I uh, that I work at, and um, his solution was to ask the plant services guy if he could cut the tree down, which he did that day. <laughs> he cut the tree down, got permission. Wow! But and that D region, after a few flights, he ended up giving it to me. So it's now sitting in my basement, and it's uh, it's got the stock paint job on it. But he cut down a tree for that. It was maybe a, a three-inch diameter tree, so it wasn't you know wasn't huge, but he did get permission well, I, to do it first. I I don't recommend that, but I mean if if it's somebody's <laughs> tree and they're letting you do it, you know, I it, I know I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> I, that's why I qualified we, highly by he asked permission first. <laughs> we, I've seen this I've seen this this whole topic generate a lot of heat on the forums. I'm not, just not going to go oh, yeah. near that con- conversation. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna. Um, Actually, speaking of permission, we're going to skip to question two. Uh, Kirk asked about, uh, 
you know, if your rocket drifts across a tree, the adjoining property, what's the best way to retrieve, retrieve it? Um, it depends on, do, do, do you know the site? Uh, some people, uh, you know, the clubs, clubs often know the site and they know who's around. Exactly. Um, we, we have, we have a place where we have a, uh, you know, there's a llama pen, uh, on <laughs> our field where I'm flying this weekend. And sometimes a rocket goes in where the llamas are and those people are perfectly happy to go get your rocket. Um, but d- just don't you, knock on the door, knock on the front door, <laughs> ask permission. Yeah, um, absolutely. Some people are nuts, you know, some people got guns and they don't want you coming on their property without yep. permission. Uh, so just, just, yeah, knock on the door and, uh, you know, Be we nice. saw, we saw a rocket land we heard of a rocket, uh, a large high power rocket landing on the security camera at the jail at uh, night power a couple of years ago. Oh. That was, that was, wow. uh. And the police brought that one back. <laughs> they, oh, wow. they didn't they need to, we yeah. didn't need to go find it. They brought it to us. <laughs> so, yeah, I bet. <laughs> Yeah. Does this belong to you? <laughs> uh, they, I think they knew who it belonged to. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and the third uh, was about, um, so, so the uh, larger rockets he, or fl- higher p- flying rockets, he says, uh, often catch thermals and drift away. What's the, the best way of dealing with that? Um, barring a shoot release, which I, I, I got to say, I, I, I know they're a little pricey. They're wonderful, wonderful instruments, however. Love them. It, it's, it is, I would consider that a worthwhile investment. However, I will say this, if you were flying with a club, if you got somebody who, uh, who trusts you with their shoot release, sometimes people will let you borrow their shoot release. Now, here's the thing. If you lose the rocket, you've got to buy them a new shoot release. So you, yep. you, you may still have a problem, but the shoot release is awesome. Um, a smaller parachute uh, will work. Uh, you don't want to go too small, obviously. I was actually just looking this up because I got a couple of rockets that I'm prepping for this weekend. And um, I, I'm, I'm rigging up a couple of different, I'm, I'm rigging up their recovery systems in a couple of different ways. I've got one that's going to come down in two pieces. It's not meant to come down in two pieces. It's meant to come down in one piece. But I'm a little nervous about the hmm. nose cone. And so I'm going to have the top portion, which itself looks like a whole rocket, come down sideways. And I... Just needed ah. to know, is the shoot I'm picking the right size? And right. so there, there are resources you can find online about, you know, what is the right shoot for the right weight of rocket. And you can usually go up or down a size depending on the wind or if you want it to come down a little softer. Um, smaller shoot, definitely. Cutting a hole, a spill hole in a shoot yep. will stabilize mm-hmm. the shoot. No problem. May may reduce drift a little bit and rocking. It won't necessarily make it come down slower. Surprisingly, it doesn't actually remove. It doesn't doesn't decrease the area of the shoot by that much right. to cut a spill hole. But I mean, I, I like to do it because I I like to reduce the rocking and sway if I can. What um, about reefing a shoot? Mm-hmm. What would that? Yes. Do? Okay. I don't know how to do that. Uh, but I've heard a lot about that. That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> yes. Reef, yes, you can reef your shoot. If you want to know how to reef your shoot, go on yeah, the Rocketry yep. Forum and go on the Rocketry Forum and 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 search for that. And if you can't okay. find I mean, people have people have written about it. So do a thorough I, search or people are gonna ask you to why you didn't do a search. But then post a question about <laughs> how to reef a shoot. There's Reefing is where you, or something. Streamers, yeah, streamers. If it's if it's a lightweight enough rocket, um, so drilling out the motor. Now, 
we we have to mm. we have to figure yeah. out where, what we're talking about. So if we're talking about drilling out the delay of like a like a composite reload, uh, right. what you're really doing yeah. there is you're you're changing when the parachute ejects, and you want the parachute to come out at apogee or as close to apogee as possible. So yep. if you're talking about drilling out the delay so that it doesn't go as high, well, then you're actually potentially going to damage the rocket because if the, the rocket comes out or if the, if the chute comes out while the rocket is still ascending at high speed, it's just going to tear everything apart. You don't really want to do that. You may not lose it uh, over the fence, <laughs> but it may just, just rip itself to shreds. Don't want to do that. If we're talking... Now, I don't know if this is what is meant, but just in case it is, if we're talking about drilling out propellant so that there's less impulse, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Never do that. Nope. That's so that against pick, the code as that's well. Also, it's against, that yes. is called, that's what's called tampering with a motor. Tampering. Okay. Perfect. And yeah. that is, you don't do that. Don't do it. Um, you don't, first of all, if you, depending on what the propellant is, if it's black powder propellant, you use a drill if you get it, going fast enough <laughs> you could ignite it you know <laughs> yeah. um but you're just not supposed to mess with those those are made a special a specific way if you want to fly less high you know try a sim figure out what is a good motor that will work with your rocket that is a lower impulse motor you could try going to thrustcurve.org and you can put the weight and diameter diameter of your rocket in and it will give you a whole list of motors that will work with that rocket and so you can just go okay i only want to go so high what motors are gonna what range of motors will work for that rocket but don't drill out propellant ever uh (laughs) ever and you know and i I don't think there is any motor that's like this if there's ever a motor where the, the the manufacturer has a you know you just follow the manufacturer's instructions. I was about to say something stupid. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so <laughs> the, just follow the manufacturer's instructions. And some of them, you can drill out the delay, but you don't really want to drill out the delay to keep the rocket from going high enough, higher. Right. You really want to get, you want to try and get that delay the right uh, appropriate amount of time. So I would say try a smaller chute or fly a fatter rocket, a fatter but not heavier rocket. You're going to have more drag. It's not going to go as high. And, you know, lightweight, fat rocket, you can have a nice, fun flight on it. And, and it's not going to go that high. So See, when I got back into rocketry, the difference between drag on a BT-50 and a BT-60 is a lot more than I expected, you know, just by the yeah. changing diameter. That's, it's, uh, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, and I've got a few, I've got a few. Here's the thing. I was just thinking about this last night. I was like, you know, I've got these motors that really like to fly, but eh, everything I put them in, it's going to go so high. And yeah. uh, what am I going to what am I going to do? Because I'm like, ah, I, I don't trust the wind, although this weekend's supposed to be pretty good. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. I got tons of BT-80s. I don't have any BT-80 rockets built. I could build a lightweight <laughs> BT-80 rocket, fly it on a, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and on and C-11? it would just be yeah, and it just be well C11s. I like those because they they they're nice and quick. They don't uh, the right. stuff I put C11 in C11s in. I I don't I don't have to worry about. It. That's the one I'm like. Well, I don't want to put a D or an E in, but I'll try a C11. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Goblin. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're gonna have one more question, and I think we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna talk. Come back, and we're just gonna talk about projects and do some mm-hmm. uh, do some uh, some shop talk. So this cool. one is one that we got from a patron on Patreon from Les Rayburn, and Les, I got this question a while ago. I'm real sorry I didn't get to it. 
uh, it kind of got lost in my email, but is this one. And I want to throw this to you guys as well, because I've been thinking about this for a little while and I'm, I'm not really sure I have the right answer. So loving the new show question. I have a Cox RTF model that is a hundred percent plastic. It has a fin broken off by a hard landing. What is the best adhesive to try for a repair Mm. on this flight stressed component? So, uh, I've had a a couple of thoughts. There are some plastic cements, not the red tube cement, but there are some plastic cements that might work. Um, depends on where the break is and whether it's on the very base of the fin or if it's like halfway, halfway up the fin, um, uh, it, it might be a little difficult to get those to adhere. And I'm still not sure if, like I use a Plastruct, Plasti Weld, Plastic okay. Weld cement for yeah. some things. And it's strong for certain things, but I have found that uh, depending on the joint that I'm putting together, it can still break. Um, but the nice thing about that stuff is you can put the two parts together and line them up perfectly and then just brush it on and it will seep in through capillary right. action. Right, that's a liquid. Right, it's a liquid. So Tamiya right. makes uh, makes some very fine, super thin cements like that, and that's what it happens. It just it seeps into there, and and it just sort of welds everything into one piece. Oh, now yeah, it's it a does reaction. It, it melts the it's plastic a chemical, exactly, and it does. It's not going to make it look super pretty because it is going to melt the plastic a little bit, but it's it's going to minimize it. Now, is that going to be strong enough for flight? I don't really know. Uh, it might be, um, but it's already broken now, so. It's worth a try. The other thing I was thinking, and it's going to, I don't really know how you do this without making it kind of messy, but it would work, uh, would be CA, like a medium CA. And that, and that's, you know, it would be a little goopy, but it's, it's probably, oh, probably they, they do, they do yeah. make some CAs that are specifically for plastic. They come with a little yes. primer. And, yeah. um, oh, okay. They're good for vacuum you, you rub parts. A, yeah, you rub, a, you rub a, pe- a bit of this primer onto the the plastic part and then you put the ca on and as as soon as you touch the two parts together they immediately grab on as a matter of fact yeah i've gotten into trouble with that because (laughs) they grab on so fast um so that that might be worth a look uh do you guys have any ideas on this one well um you you said not the red glue are you talking about the stinky testers glue and like the red orange tube yeah i wasn't going to mention the brand name but yes testers red stinky yeah, I, I think that stuff's not. It's it's very brittle. It's kind of goopy. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I found that I found that every time I've I've attached Sorry. fins with it, they broke it off. Ah, uh, okay. I'm going yeah. to take what you suggested then and try that other stuff because um, I I've used on my D region tomahawk and and I'll mention that another you know later down the road. But um, yeah, yeah, I've actually tried to adhere my fins with that, and you're right, they do pop off. So oh, those yeah, D region tomahawks, yeah, they're notorious for that if you use the mm-hmm. the tube glue, yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. Okay. Thanks, man. I actually use yeah. CA on all, I've built three or four of those, and CA okay. seems to hold pretty well um, on that yeah. particular model, and you know, which I've never would build a rocket normally with just CA because it's brittle yeah. and it'll chip, but in this case, it worked pretty well. Okay. I was yeah. wondering, though, I like the idea of the liquid cement, but it, it, and this is just, I'm just thinking outside the box. If you can get a small square or some kind of like a thin vacuum form part from scraps or something and then kind of reinforce that fin, almost like you're papering it with plastic to give it some kind of more reinforcement. And I don't know, it might be turned into a big mess. It might not be worth it, but that's... I I hear what you're saying. The thing is, I'm not really sure. I mean, this is. it sounds like this is maybe a bit of a collector's item because it's a Cox 
uh, rocket. Right, right. Um, yeah. Right. So I guess it depends on how pretty you want it to be. Do you want it to fly again? Do you want it to be pretty? Um, if you have any suggestions, give us a, an email, uh, noob at themodelrocketshow.com, and I will mention it next time. Um, I don't know. I think that's the best we got so far. I would try either the cement or CA if you just want to goop it on and fly it again. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that would be my suggestion. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about our sponsor, erockets.biz, and we will be right back with the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. All right, it's time to talk about our sponsor, erockets.biz, which is your home for unique model rocket kits, as well as the world's largest selection of rocket parts from Semrock. In business since 2009, eRockets doesn't just stock many of your favorite in-production kits. They also produce their own versions of popular out-of-production models many of you have come to enjoy over the years. I'd like to talk to you about some of their Lock Precision kits. Now, Lock Precision, you may think of that as a high-power rocket company, and of course, they do produce some really fantastic high-power kits, some very large kits, but they also have these smaller park flyers, and I want to talk to you about some of those. A lot of these park-flying rockets that they've got... Uh, uh, these are smaller versions of their large rockets. So a really popular level one uh, certification high power rocket to fly in H motors is the Lock 4. Well, they got a mini one. It's an inch in diameter and it's called the Lock 1. The High Tech is another really great one. That uh, That's a nice high flyer if you go for the high power version. Uh, but they got an inch diameter uh, high tech, and that flies on 18 millimeter A through D motors as well. Uh, one of the ones that I really like here is the Iris. The Iris is a it was a is a sounding rocket, and Lock Precision has a bunch of different sizes of of Iris. They they go up to a uh, very large size. You can get the uh, the 2.6 diameter size. You can get the three inch diameter size. And, uh, and beyond, but they have a 1.63 inches diameter size, and that's about the size of a BT-60, which is about the size of a Big Bertha, if you're familiar with the Big Bertha. And this is a nice looking rocket, and it flies on anything from D through G motors, so you can fly it on up to 29 millimeter motors. Uh, if you have an adapter, you can adapt that down to uh, to 24 millimeters, so you can fly it on your D black powder motors. And this is a nice rocket. Lock Precision kits come with really nice parts. It's a great rocket company. And hey, you know what? If you are a high power flyer and you got kids, and your kids are looking at your big rockets and they're kind of jealous of them, well, you can get the uh, get the mini mini version, and uh, you know. You kids can have your, your a little version of your own rockets. Of course, if you're like me and you like the little rockets, uh, they're also fantastic and a lot of fun to build, a lot of fun to fly. That's Lock Precision at erockets.biz. Also, if you need parts for your own custom builds, that's no problem. Erockets.biz has you covered there with supplies from Semrock with their line of airframes, nose cones, centering rings, motor mounts, and so much more. Erockets has more rocket parts available than anyone on Earth. So check out erockets.biz today to learn more. erockets.biz. If rocketry scares you, buy a train set. Now here's one of the coolest, most exciting products I've seen in a long time. Just imagine the thrill and excitement of launching your own real rocket into the heavens. Reach altitudes of over a thousand feet and then watch your rocket majestically return back to Earth on its own colorful parachute. These amazing rockets can be launched over and over again. Just replace the rocket motor for each new flight. For propulsion, they use the new QJet composite propellant model rocket motor from a Aerotech West. This revolutionary high-performance rocket motor uses the same family of propellant as the space 
Space Shuttle Booster. Aerotech Quest has successfully miniaturized asset technology, so now you can create your own private space program and launch whenever and wherever you wish. They feature complete star designs, dozens of awesome rocket kit designs, a complete line of high-performance composite, propellant model rocket motors, plus launch bands, launch controllers, and many accessories. Check out their entire line of incredible model rocketry products at aerotech-rocketry.com or questaerospace.com. Armed and counting, three, two, one, blast off. Daniel loves your model rocket questions. If you have any, send them to noob at themodelrocketshow.com. That's N-0-0-B at themodelrocketshow.com. Now, back to Daniel. All right, welcome back to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com with your host, The Rocket Noob, and our friends from The Rocketry Show, uh, CG, Ajim, and Jesse, the Model Rocket guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, so well, what, what uh, Model Rocket stuff are you guys working on? You guys do a lot of high-power stuff. What are you working on these days, uh, Model Rocket-wise? Model Rocket-wise, uh, I have... Um like I've noticed on Apogee's, everybody's buzzing about this. It's, it's mm-hmm. sold out in about 27 minutes when the first run came out. Apogee's <laughs> coming out with an X15. Yes. I don't know if you, yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard about that. And I watched some of the builds on it. Um, and the curious thing about that though, is I've actually been getting back into like more builders type kits, um, you know, cause I'm, you know, and I'm getting smaller. So I wanted an X15. Now before the Apogee one came out, there was a small company called SNG Arrow that, made right. a 29 millimeter x15 it's based on a bt80 tube mm-hmm. and it's a serious builder's kit because it's all balsa wood there's the only vacuum form parts are the tail and the nose cone section and with the cockpit so the rest of it's balsa that means the fairings are balsa the wings are balsa the vertical stabilizer you have to build you know because it's got that nice it's, it starts out a little wedge and kind of bows out a little bit so you have to build that so i bought one of those it's a little pricey because of all the balsa wood but it is the coolest rocket I have ever built. And, and, and it was really pushed me as far as building goes. Cool, cool kit. So it's um, the wings themselves are, it's, it's like quarter inch balsa wood. It's thick. So I actually wow. had to airfoil the fins, you know, the wings. And the, um, the vertical stabilizer is you actually have to build that out of 16th plywood, which was making me nervous because you had to build a wedge. <laughs> so, but yeah. I took my time with it. And I sanded it very carefully. And I took some of your tips, Noob, about your sanding, you know, how to do airfoils, which uh, you're famous for. And I actually did it. So I was pretty proud. I was thinking of you when I was like sanding my wings. Very nice. So did you have any, did you have any, uh, any uh, frustrating moments where you thought, uh, (laughs) I'm done with this? Yes, um, a couple of times, but then I, but as I was getting frustrated as I'm trying to get that just nice curve and the technique on it, and I used a very fine sandpaper, so because I knew if I used a coarse grit, that would probably roach it real fast. So I used oh, yeah. a real fine grit sandpaper and just took my time. I got my sanding block and I just, just worked it, just slowly worked it, kind of like whittling. And I got to the point where yeah. I was, you know, I, I did do a test piece first just to see if I could get it. And I took my time. I went outside. Um, and it was summertime when, when I first started building it. And I just started just whittling away at the fins just slowly and surely. Like, I remember you saying, you got to be patient with this and take your time and don't rush it. And yeah. that, I, I kept on saying that to myself as I was making those airfoils. And I'm pretty pleased with the way it's turned out. I mean, you know, you're, you're more of a craftsman than I am. But for me, I've, I'm very happy with the build. 
Well, you know, every time I try and do an airfoil quickly, because sometimes I think, oh, I got this. I've made these a million times. Well, not that many times, but every time I try <laughs> and do it quickly, then I always overdo one side or I get the, yep. like, they're a little uneven and it drives me a little crazy. But I find if I go real slow and I just sort of like, because I don't, it's not like I sit down and go, all right, it's time to do some airfoils. I love this. You know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, this is going to take a while. I would like to get this rocket built, but you just have to sort of sit and just sort of enjoy the process, put on some music yep. and That's just exactly. sort of like, just yep. sort of chill out, you know, and like it's a meditation or something. And uh, just check your work as you go. Just, you know, sand a little, blow off the dust so you can see it clearly. And it was a very um, Zen experience. <laughs> Zen. Yeah. And I remember when you said that and I was like, okay, follow the noob on this one. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, well, and- I mean, I, the thing is, I would, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's the right shape for the for the the X15, but um, you know, uh, uh, North Coast Rocketry now has those uh, airfoil assistant little sander yes. things, the, yes. those three D printed things. I'm really curious about that, and I'm really interested in trying one of those because I I like to airfoil my fins. I don't do it because I think it's going to make the rocket fly higher. It might, it might not. People have said different right. things. I like it because I like the finished look it gives and so i do it with most of my rockets thinking to myself well maybe i give it a little extra edge you know uh Mm -hmm. or maybe i just make it look nice but sometimes you know i would i would like a tool that's going to help me make it more consistent and more even because sometimes i do four fins on a rocket and if you look at them real close they're not perfectly exactly the same once you put them on the rocket and they're not right next to each other. They look fine. But, you know, I'm mm-hmm. real curious about that tool, though. Yeah, I saw that. And I was, like, thinking about it. I was like, nah, well, I'm not going to, like, go and buy this tool just for this particular rocket. You know, I wasn't yeah, I, I yeah. Was on the fence about it. But um, I can see now that I could probably start to do this more in my low-power projects just because I do like the look. You're right. It, it just gives a nice, nice look and feel to the rocket and then the shape of it. And especially since the X-15 is black, it kind of reflects off of those airfoils in, in the light. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But the other thing I noticed on this um, that was pretty cool is, you know, the, uh, the cowlings that go on the side of the X-15? You know how they're those those were made out of it was like a sandwich that I had to build out of um, thick balsa in the core and then one mm-hmm. sixteenth balsa on the top and the bottom. So yeah, and I was I was like real nervous about that because that's really thin balsa wood. I mean, it's the thinnest balsa wood you ever you know you probably ever work with, just because it was just like a veneer. But I wanted yeah. it to have kind of a curve in the top section, and so I very carefully cut out and shaped the uh, the top of the fairings, and I got. I got the balsa wood wet and I kind of curved it a little bit, which, yeah. you know, it may not be exactly stock, but I, but I like the curve look because the way it picks up light. So, mm-hmm. so I did that. So it took me a long time to do those two fairings. The bottom ones are flat, but just the top ones where it says U.S. Air Force on the side, they look really cool having a little curve in them. And then I yeah. just smoothed out the rest with just a little bit of epoxy clay up in the top section to make that sandwich all nice and, and smooth. I like a smooth sandwich. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> So, <laughs> hey, so um, where you guys were asking about those NCR, um, you know, tools that you were talking about, if you go to the North Coast Rocketry page on Facebook, and it's going to be a couple months back, um, Louis Berlin actually used that tool on an NCR kit, and he has an example of how good that actually works. So if you use the nonstick sandpaper like the 3M, it holds on to that to that printed surface from the, you know, from the tool really well. So mm-hmm. you know. We, 
you do use that, it, it apparently works pretty good. And I believe, you know, NCR uses a plywood fin. So he was able to use yeah, that on a plywood fin. So yeah, um, yeah, go check that out because it's, it's enough to make me want to get some from you, Rockets. Or NCR yeah, themselves, I, I think. You know? I mean, I've, I was on I've, the fence, but... I have I have hand sanded uh, airfoils on plywood fins before uh, because I don't have <laughs> I don't have a <clears throat> I don't have a power sander of any kind. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a belt sander. I don't have any of that. <clears throat> so I've I've done it. I don't like it. It's a lot. It takes a long <laughs> wow. time. It's a lot of um, sanding. But um, you know, but I've done it. But you know, I I, I like a tool that that makes things either easier or more precise or hopefully both. Oh yeah. Right. And Matt still right. was saying that, 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 that larger tool will do up to quarter inch ply. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We, we need to get our hands on those tools. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to have to go and get some then. I'm, yeah. I'm in because oh, they, if I can use it on plywood or balsa for that makes sense. Of course, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a done deal. Mm-hmm. I'm also seeing, I don't think it's an official product. I think it's a fan product, a North coast rocketry face mask, which, you know, <laughs> okay. Could use one of those this year, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. <laughs> totally could. So I've been using those. Jesse, what you what oh. you been working on, Jesse? Oh geez. Uh <laughs> I always I always get sad when uh, I get asked that question because uh, I always oh, no. feel my level three certification rocket has just been lagging and lagging and lagging. There's always something I need to work on or something I'm not ready on. And I got sick like a month ago and I had some complications that I wanted to, you know, make sure I took care of my own health and um, I just kind of stopped mm-hmm. working on it for a little bit there. And, you know, I'm still trying to get that flight done. So that's the main yeah. focus that I'm working on. However, um, I have this uh, cosmic interceptor that I started building two years ago. Mm. That while I'm waiting on, you know, things on this level three, you know, to finish up or dry or just whatever, I've been going over to this thing and, you know, <clears throat> trying to detail sand it. And uh, Jim, I had mentioned to you once that I should have papered the fins. And I've yes. considered... I've considered measuring this out and like doing paper on the fins because I just think that the finish would be a lot better. However, I used the John Boren method. And this is a method that um, if you read, uh, you now have to go back and take a look, Noob, to see what article it is. But it was from an Apogee newsletter. And, you know, Apogee is located in Colorado. So is John Boren. John Boren shared his secrets on huh? how he would do some of the finishes for some of the Estes prototypes and, you know, the rockets that they wound up doing for the catalog pieces and whatever, whatever, right? So yeah. um, I did, you know, that uh, Cosmic Center Interceptor a couple years ago, I actually did his steps on it, except instead of using the Krylon um, primer that they use, I've been using the good old Rust-Oleum, you know, filler primer stuff. Right. And it, it doesn't quite work the same. Uh, apparently the Krylon one dries tons faster. And that's words by John Boren himself. He says that the Krylon one just dries faster. He can, as soon as he sprays it, he can go, you know, walk to the, you know, to another room, come back, and then it's dry and ready to start sanding. Um, right. That that's a big deal, you know, because you know all of us yeah. kind of get impatient. You know, the guy's pressed for time; he's got to get some stuff done. So yeah, wet you know, sand on wet paint. <laughs> yeah. So without having to do the wet sand, which I, I do, by the way, too, noob. So I'm glad you brought that up earlier. You know, but the the Morn method does work. Um, you do take some. Uh, uh, it looks like a Bondo spot putty, and there's a particular number that you have to use for this. They don't have it available at Walmart all the time, but you can get it from like Advanced Auto or Pet Boys or something like that in an auto parts store. And um, you can, you know, spray your wood first with the filler primer. Then you take the uh, Bondo after it's dry and use that to fill it up. And then magic happens. Yeah. Wow. And then, um, <laughs> so after you, you know, uh, spray the filler primer on there first and then you use the Bondo mm-hmm. Spot Putty, you let it dry. 
you sand off the bottom spot putty just until it goes almost down, you know, to nothing again. Then you okay. spray more filler primer. Then you can do another layer of spot putty until you know you, you're satisfied with the fill. Once you're done with that, um, you can start breaking the pieces off of your you know cut die cut or your a laser cut balsa sheet. So I guess I missed a step. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do that all at once. The problem with that is that it's hard to see the lines <laughs> where the yeah, cut was. Right. So you, you have to kind of like, you know, between those coats, you have to kind of, you know, take your your exacto knife and kind of space those out a little bit or just take them completely off of the sheet and just do them separately on like a big like drop cloth on top of a, gotcha. some, some kind of a box or something so that you can paint those pieces. Um, now, gluing that stuff, you have to make sure that you sand your edges so that you can put the proper amount of glue that you need to, you know, for the pieces. But if you use the boring method on these rockets, you don't have to do a ton of fill. You don't have to do a ton of um, sanding sealer. You don't have to really use the, you know, the 20-minute the epoxy from BSI that's used for laminating. Right. You, you don't have to use that stuff. You, you should be able to just go and, you know, work on these rockets and there's at least three or four members of some of the Facebook groups that have put pictures of results of the Warren method. And it, it, the stuff looks fantastic. So if you guys, you know, find that newsletter and, and Noob, I can share that with you. And, you know, maybe you can post yeah, it no, in the notes. I'm yeah. familiar with it. I, we'll we'll yeah. put it in the show notes. I've actually tried it myself. Um, I, I, do you like it? I, have you, what kind of results well, have you so, so, so the results, I, so I kind of do, I, I've kind of taken some tips from it and I do things... Um, Okay. Adapt. So you made it your own. I've adapted it a little bit. Yeah. Nice. I don't okay. like to start. So, so first of all, I, 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 I don't like sanding uh, Bondo uh, a lot because it's yep. red and it's so messy and I sand <laughs> yeah. it in, in, inside a lot. So what I, what I tried to do, because I used the Rust-Oleum as well, is I sprayed that on and then I put on the Bondo and then I tried to scrape most of the Bondo off to make a thinner layer of Bondo. And what I found out is that Bondo melts your primer and so if you try and scrape it down what happened was i lifted literally lifted Uh, all of my primer right off the balsa and i didn't even know that was possible wow yeah but uh so i actually do do a i do a layer of uh sanding sealer i don't do as many layers as i used to do though um because i one of the things that i don't like I, i i could see maybe starting with the bondo and just putting that down and then topping with uh, the the filler primer. Uh-huh. But one of the things I don't like about spraying filler primer on raw balsa, raw balsa is it just it it soaks in so much that it's sort mm-hmm. of like it almost doesn't really do much. Okay, at least for me, um, I was really enjoying when I first got started with it. I was really enjoying it because I had this sheet of fins, and I was like, I'm just going to spray it, and then I'm just going to put the bondo on, and then I'm going to sand it off. It's going to uh-huh. be great. It's going to be so easy. Uh, and then I lifted off that primer and I was like, well, I'm going to try it a different way. So what I do now is I do just like one or two coats of sanding, sanding sealer. Um, okay. but and, and then some some filler primer, which is, you know, kind of how I was doing it before. But instead of doing like five or six coats of sanding sealer and then filler right. primer and then right. seeing where <laughs> right. the flaws are and then doing I've more filler it. primer is I'll do, I'll do the, the sanding seal or I'll do the one, one or two coats of sanding sealer, sand it off. And then I'll do the the filler primer. And if there are flaws after I sand the first coat of filler primer, then I will touch that up with the Bondo. And I'll just touch it up here and there and okay. I'll sand that down. And that's and 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 you know, that that 
first of all, if you don't use a huge, massive amount of Bondo, it's not as likely to melt the primer, I find. So it, that never peels off. And then after doing that, a quick little second coat of primer. Usually, I, I like to do a coat to make sure that all the flaws are gone because primer reveals flaws that right, you may right, not right. see That's there. For. Right. Right. And so once I know that the primer is is you you can't see any more cracks or you know grain grain yeah. then i do then i do a quick wet sand of that and then i'm ready to paint um so i i using the bondo i'm gonna have the bondo lying around for other things um i once did a set of plywood fins entirely in bondo which worked but it was wow kind of i just found it was kind of a pain it was it, it you know it was for a a ventress or something oh okay um, and I also found that afterward, after I did the paint, I could still kind of see grain, like kind of as the paint kind of cured. Out. It, yeah, as the paint kind of cured, it kind of like everything tightened up, and I could still sort of see it. So, um, it, because I sort happen. of skipped all, yeah, because I sort of skipped all the extra steps. But um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it's it's a cosmetic process, and and sort of everyone has the thing that they do that works best, and so. Uh, it's definitely worth trying. If John Boren does it, I mean, it's it's definitely worth trying because the guy works <laughs> for Estes and they, they want to make nice-looking <laughs> yeah. models for yep. their catalogs. Um, and, of course, now uh, Chris Michelson also makes some of their display models and he uses yep. uh, a wood filler, uh, Carpenter's wood filler, which I, I, I like to use for spirals. I find it a little frustrating on fins. Um, I, just, I, just, I just... I get like air pockets in it as I'm watering it down a little bit. And then I try and sand out the air pockets. And the more I sand, the more I you right. know, find air pockets. And, then, exactly and then I end up sanding about. into the balls. And I'm like, well, the, I, now I have <laughs> yep. to put more on. Yep. Um, and the, and the and the dust is so fine um, that, I mean, I was getting it everywhere. Cause I, again, I sand and I do this indoors mostly. And I was finding yep. that it's so fine that I, w I would find it on the tops of things in the back <laughs> end of the room. Um, but I find that, you know, with, with a little bit of sanding sealer, I know it's old fashioned, it's more expensive and it smells bad and you have to yeah, open a window. Yeah, but you're using Brodac, right? You, you've been using I'm using Brodac. the expensive, you know, yeah, why, yeah, why are you stuff. spending all this? Yeah, but it is the good stuff. I will tell yeah. you this. I have had a can of Brodac. Mm -hmm. I used to use the, uh, what's the stuff that, that disappeared a couple years ago that the everyone loves? No, yeah, awesome. Aerogloss. I really Those liked it, but I, I, I liked Aerogloss, but I tell you what, if I opened a jar of Aerogloss, and I didn't use it within a week. It was dead because oh. I, I, no matter how tight I resealed that bottle, it was dead. Well, I've opened a can of Brodac and I've used it for projects for a year before it gets <laughs> gummy. And then I've thinned it and I've used it again. And it's okay. just beautiful stuff. And See, those night, are good it, tips to hear because nobody, nobody talks about that stuff. We, we all just have yeah. to kind of live it. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll do it's it, yeah. it sands nicely. I've heard of some sealers that get a little gummy. It sands nicely. It uh, it one of the things I do like about sanding sealer is it it hardens balsa a little bit and yeah, some, yeah, that's true. Nose so cones like, is great. Yeah, so it's great for nose cones, and that's another thing where I use I do sanding sealer, then I do primer, and then I do I smear on bondo just because sometimes you get those little ridges or you know where the 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 mm -hmm. the turning of the nose cone wasn't perfect and you can you can make those things look like glass you know yep. just those three things just a little I sanding mean, sealer a little bit of primer and a little bit of bondo and eventually just oh it's beautiful it's you know beautiful. a lot of times if I'm, if I'm doing something fast and like like i said you, you know you're more of a craftsman than i i the, the old painting with the wood glue letting it dry and then sanding that 
yeah, in a pinch. Now I've used that on nose cones and it works really well. Um, yeah. So I've like I actually did that on my X15 to fill up and it came out pretty good. I don't know if it's like frowned upon as a technique, but it worked for me. And I don't did, think it, it is tighten it up. It does. It, it hardens it up and everything. I have done it and I find it, it makes the it makes balsa really solid. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I, I don't like sanding it. I just, it bugs me. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, so I've used it and I'm like thinking to myself, okay, that's always in my back pocket if my Brodak goes away. Yeah, you got to try I don't like, yeah. You know, yeah. Try that. Yeah. So but, uh, uh, to, re- to rewind a little bit, um, yeah. so that Cosmic Interceptor, I lost my decals for it. Oh no. So oh. has a has a set of Cosmic Interceptor decals. Um, is that, yeah. Then uh, I, I need some. Um, I don't think Mark... <laughs> I don't think Marquez, bless his soul, can make them that small. So, you know, unless I get like the... Did they make uh, the, the AccuForm wraps for that? I can't remember what they're called. But those ones that they were selling on eBay, I know they make them for the regular Interceptor, but do they make them for the uh, Cosmic Interceptor? Because that's... A, oh, I don't a, think so. That's, like, I, I know, know there's... Uh, Redstone has... There's Redstone, yeah. Interceptor, and there's one more. I don't think the Cosmics is in it. So uh, I might just have to get creative with the paint job or, you know, just see if I can, you know, cricket, you know, use my cricket machine to cut whatever I can find. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's the biggest problem that I have with it now. So that's one of the reasons I kind of put a stop on it. Um, looking at this rocket, though, it's huge. And, you know, I- I'm looking at it right now and I can't wait to put a couple of composites in that thing because, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Pierce was saying that he puts E30s in that all the time. Yeah. I, I kind of want to see this thing fly on that. Um I, you know, I overbuild everything kind of like Jim does. And then I try to go for aesthetics, you know, as much as you do, Noob. I, I kind of find myself in the middle <laughs> of, uh, you know, both of wanting to build it burly and also wanting to, you know, make it look as pretty as possible. So sure, yeah. I mean, I'll see what I come up with after that. But I kind of put a stop on it because, you know, I need my decals. And I've looked everywhere. <laughs> I've moved since yeah. I started the build. And you know how that is. You know, those, they're going to come up in the weirdest place. And it's a long sheet too. So I can't assume that I would fold it in half or something. However, I have in the past been known to cut between the, the little icons on the decal sheet to make sure that I, you know, can put it like between two pieces of paper. Now I just yeah, need to yeah. all my paper to find. For storage. Where yeah. exactly. I've done it. Keep them flat. So that's, that's what I've been working on as far as the LPR side. But, and then um, I got a, a mean machine that I started a year ago for a hobby shop. I never had a chance to finish that yet. Uh, I kept putting projects in front of it. Um, this mean machine, it's really pretty. That'd be a fun build. Yeah. And uh, to have that hanging in a hobby shop, you know, I think it would be really cool. So I, I need to sync up with those guys and see if they still want it. If not, I'm going to put some E30s in it and let it rip. <laughs> so, there you go. Nice. Yeah. So that's where I'm at on the LPR side. Hey, uh, real quick here. Did I tell you guys that I got to see the new Estes Saturn 1B a couple weeks ago at the Pueblo launch? What? Tell us about it. Did, did I tell you about that? Okay. So, uh, yes, you did. <laughs> Before we were recording. <laughs> so, uh, Go so into details, out. all of them. Uh, all right. So details. The Saturn 1B is it's surprisingly smaller. It is a 1-100 scale. But if you put this next to like your Saturn V from Estes, it's going to be the same scale as that. The Apollo capsule okay. and the escape tower should be the same size as what your Saturn V is. However, the right. rocket is going to be considerably smaller. And, uh, you know, uh, some of the people at the launch were like, that, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look to be the correct scale. Well, it, it is. It is the same scale. Um, yep. it, it does have all the, mm-hmm. you know, the tubes that come with it, you know, for the booster section of the rocket. Um, the uh, transition, you know, from the capsule to the body tube is yeah. molded and it is beautiful. I mean, uh, it, yeah, if you take a look at some of the pictures that I posted on Facebook of this, if you zoom in on the box, um, 
I, I was able to open the box and look at the parts. John Boren from Estes let me look at the parts and he said, go ahead and take pictures of it. Guys, I'm so sorry. I have no idea why I didn't take pictures of the inside parts of this rocket because it's unreleased. It comes out <laughs> this month and I didn't do it. Everybody's been wanting this wah, rocket. Wah. I mean, yeah, you know, you know, the good old box, you know, that Estes had from back in the 90s with the, the green box with the black on it, you know, with the Saturn 1B, it's, you know, it's, it's iconic, right? This is the replacement <laughs> for it. And the box um, looks like the same flash as like the little Joe 2. Oh, sweet. So yeah. it looks very similar to that. And, you know, in the, the Apollo, you know, Saturn 5 and stuff. Now, they didn't have the Skylab one there, so I didn't get to put hands on that. But the Saturn 1B, I opened the box and I took a look at it. Detailed parts. Imagine a plastic flying model that flies, but one that you have to put together. It, it is definitely a builder's kit. It's going to require a lot of paint detail. So those of you who like mm-hmm. to do that stuff, you get your Tamiya tape out or your Scotch tape and get ready to do some fine lines of work on this thing, you know? Uh, I did not get a chance to thumb through the instructions, but it is definitely a builder's kit. Lots of plastic parts, lots of vacuum molded parts. Um, you know, the transition is plastic and, um, you know, it's going to require cool. some detail to paint. It's not just as simple as painting it black and white. You're going to, you're going to work Can you for the cluster it? Uh, you know, it, okay. Can you <laughs> cluster ask. it? You can if you don't build the engines on it because the engine pods for it um, are going to be static on the model. So they're going to okay. be on there. They don't come off like the side. So they fly with it. Yes. Okay. So you want to cool. cluster it? Sure. But yeah. Any, anyway, it's it's cool. Um, I also got to see the uh, the Centurion. So this is a ready-to-fly rocket. Um, it's one of the new ones that they put out you know, uh, back last year that hasn't quite made it through the stores yet. Um, we got to see that one that's going to be put out you know, pretty pretty soon here. So was the Snooper. And then um, one of the other ones that um, I got to put my eyes on was the uh, NASA SLS. Now, oh. remember... Do you guys remember the one two hundred scale Saturn V that's ready to fly? Yeah, so, I have one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. This NASA SLS is going to be very similar to that. So it's going to be a ready to, to fly static display model, and um, yeah, uh, I, I'm guessing it's going to be about the same price. I think uh, Estes already has the prices on that, but um, it's you know ready to go, and you know it's good enough to put on your desk at work or uh, take it to the field and just launch it. <laughs> so, Ooh, <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for a good SLS to come out. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, uh, yeah, so, so is NASA. Somebody can make it a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> eventually, somebody might make this into a builder's kit. I'm sure there have been a few that done already, but, you know, this one is, a, you know, something that you can fly right away is pretty cool. So That is pretty cool. Wow, that's down awesome. Here, living down here in Colorado, so close to Estes, and, you know, having the designers of Estes be part of that local club is a treat for me. So That's awesome. That's that is really awesome. cool. Yeah. I, I would yeah. love that. You know, yeah. and it's so good to see Estes, like, you know, doing the, doing the stuff for rocket people because oh, they yeah. are rocket people. I'm so thrilled about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I've actually become a little bit less of, or I'm trying to become less of a perfectionist um what so no, we, we can't well, do it noob it's too hard it's it is hard it is hard <laughs> i still take i still take time to make sure things look nice but he, so here's the thing so I've, I've built some scale kits uh recently mm-hmm. I've, I've been getting more into certain scale projects that i've always wanted to be able to build and i always thought oh, i'm not ready i'm not ready i think a lot of people when they right. get in this hobby you know, they look at that Saturn V or they look at the, you know, the Mercury Redstone or whatever, and they think, I'm not, I want to wait until I, I've got the skills to do it justice. And, right. um, you know, you could, you're going to die before you, you're, you're ready if you don't, if you don't try. 
you know, seriously, like you, the only way to, to learn how to build a diff difficult rocket is to build a difficult rocket. And so True. I've become, even with my sport models, which I, I've always prided myself in like making them really pretty. Um, I try to spend a little less time worrying about it. Like I've, I've taken like two years to build a dumb skill level two Estes <laughs> rocket just because I mean like, huh, you know, I, if I'm too tired, I'm going to mess up the, the airfoils or, you know. Right. <laughs> um, so I started and it's mostly gone pretty well. I mean, I, I have definitely had uh, some rockets where I've had some flaws and they, they're the kind of flaws that would have driven me crazy uh, a couple of years ago. But the thing I've realized is they only drive you crazy when you initially make those flaws. And once the rocket's done, you move on to a new rocket and you fly that rocket and it looks great. It looks fine. My Saturn V, my one 100 scale Saturn V that I spent a long time working on, still haven't gotten the chance to fly it yet. But it's, I look at it on the shelf and it looks fantastic. Right. I know, the, I know what the flaws are in the rocket. I know what I screwed up. And there were a lot of little flaws. Things that I, if, if I had started the rocket like a year or two earlier and I'd made the same mistakes, I would have just been like, I've ruined it. I've ruined it. But I haven't ruined it. <laughs> However, I recently started building the Estes Mercury Redstone. And I thought, I'm just going to build this. I'm not mm -hmm. going to sweat it. I'm going to be, you know what? It's going to be great. And I actually started making, pro I, guys, I'm the kind of guy, seriously, I'm not kidding. I have taken a, two years to build an Astron Sprint XL, which is just not <laughs> a complicated model, sport model, right? Right. Within the first three days, I got this model. I got the fins shaped the way I wanted them to. Not perfect, but pretty darn good. I got mm -hmm. them on the rocket. I got the rocket primed i got everything looking good and then i built and then i i built the well i started by building the nose cone the capsule and okay. the escape tower and i was following people's advice to go slightly in opposite the direction of the instructions to build the tower from the top down and mm -hmm. and do the painting and do the gluing of the tower to the capsule very last and I hadn't used my airbrush in a year because oh, I got a little nervous okay. when I moved, you know? Sure. And I was yep. like, I, you know what? This is one where I think I'm going to use it. So I got out the Tamiya color, the beautiful mm -hmm. Tamiya paint. And I was yep. painted on there and I was like, you know, I just practiced a little bit on a, you know, piece of cardboard to make sure I had my mix right and my air pressure right and my thinning right and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I started painting it and I was like, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. This is going perfectly. I mean... You know, if I looked yeah. perfect, I looked right at the fins, I could see, okay, this one's a little uneven. That one's a little, uneven, whatever. The thing was mm -hmm. looking great. I laid down the paint on this capsule. Oh, it looked gorgeous. Gorgeous. Perfect. It wasn't like heavy spray paint. It was like you could see every little ridge in the, in the molding of the, and then I did and the, the and, and I, yeah, and then I, I masked off the, all the, there are all these little divots where you glue parts together in the yep. capsule, in the, and the, the capsule and the, uh, the escape tower. And I masked all, every one of the, instead of like scrape, wow. pa painting first and then scraping it off, I masked them off with tiny little dots of, of poster putty. 
so that I just wouldn't get the paint in there so that I could go and glue wow. it. And I'm yeah. laying down the red just on this escape tower and it's beautiful. Yeah, just peel, just peel them right off and then just glue everything together. I'm laying down the red on this okay. escape tower and it's looking beautiful. It's it's like the the texture is so perfect that it's like, well, this looks like the right scale. The texture looks the right scale. So this is laying down so beautifully, wow. beautiful red. And then I went to glue the escape tower onto my capsule. Okay. Oh no. And the thing is that the the spot the spires of the escape tower don't match up perfectly with where you're supposed to glue them, the little divots in the, the mm -hmm. capsule. But you just, you know, you just pop into place, you apply a little dot of that plastic liquid cement we mentioned earlier, you hold mm -hmm. it, you allow everything to weld, and you let go, and you move on to the next one. Yeah. First thing I learned is that plastic cement will melt to Mia paint. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. So I'm like, all right, it's not a big deal. It's just going to melt. I'll touch it up. I'll touch it up later. It's just melting it a little bit. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's going to uh, be fine. So then I'm holding it. 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 And then I let go. And just this gummy mess just pops right out. Oh, no. And it wouldn't adhere to my beautifully masked off, perfectly bare, bald plastic bits that I had. It just wouldn't oh, no. stick. And I don't know if it wasn't, I don't know if it, if, if the way I put it together, it was just a little too spread out and there was just too much spring. I don't know if I wasn't holding it long enough, but I was holding it for many minutes. And it would, mm -hmm. so I put it down, I put it down. I was like, and I, already like I've, I've messed up the paint on the top of the, you know, the uh the capsule but i'm like it's right whatever i you know i put it down next day i went back I'm like all right this time i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so i i actually removed i took some thinner and i removed the paint from the top of the capsule because i just didn't want to mess with that i just wanted right. to get right. the darn thing glued on and i will deal with it later <sighs> so i'm gluing it in place i'm holding it and it's just something's not working it's just not working and I, you know, I hold it, I put the dot of glue in there and everything. And I'm still, and there's still some paint that's melting in, you know, in everything, but I'm right. like, I don't care. I just want this stupid thing glued on here. And, uh, it just popped out. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to hold this stupid thing until it is not moving. And then I snapped one of the spires off oh, with, my, with my finger. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't salvageable. I, I can't, can't, I don't have the skills to take. This tiny little plastic spire yeah, spark, and, yeah. and I'm like, and, I, and I'm like, and it's just not sticking. It's just not sticking. And I'm like, this build has been going beautifully. This was a rocket I was afraid of. And I was like, this rocket's going beautifully. There's nothing to be scared of. I'm not frustrated at all. It's going to be good. And then suddenly I was like, this stupid escape tower. And then the thing broke. And I was like, it's not going on there. It's just not going on there. And I was like, I put it down. I went into the kitchen. I started cooking dinner. And I thought about it for about five minutes and I was like I'm going to kill that bastard and I went into the rocket room and I put the tower on the floor and I stomped on it three deliberate hard times boom 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 and I wasn't sorry I murdered this escape tower because of what it did to me and it had it coming and your honor I would do it again 
Oh my god. And then I left its oh, lifeless corpse lying on my rocket room floor for three days. Just as an example to the other rockets, not to mess with me. <laughs> and I have to say, like, like it wasn't like I got mad and I just flung it. It's like I went to the kitchen, I thought about it for a couple of minutes, and then I was like, I'm going to go smash it now. And I went in and I smashed it. And it's not that I felt good because I was still very frustrated, but I did feel a little better. And... Oh, I will build this rocket again. I'm not going to let this rocket defeat me. Now you can get, uh, you can get um, replacement capsules, but they're they've been out of production or not out of production. Mm. They've been out of stock for. Mm. Uh, and for I did time. email SS. They are coming back into stock. They just don't. They they're, they're not. They haven't gotten rid of them. They just don't have them in stock right now. So uh, okay. I can buy the whole rocket, but the thing is the rest of the rocket looks great. And I also do have, now I have a capsule that doesn't have a tower on it. So it's, pre, it's, it's pre-broken, so I can go ahead and fly it, but I do want yep. to build, I just want to build capsule. it. Yep. Yeah, I just want to build it. I don't want to buy a pre-made capsule. I don't want someone else to do it for me. I want to do this, but doggone it, it wasn't working <laughs> that wow. first time. So, so I think I'm so, going to use it, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, how you, when you do get the replacement? Because, wow. Well, what I'm <laughs> going to do is when, it, when it's back in stock, I'm going to buy about seven of them. And I'm going to build <laughs> okay. it. I, no, I mean, the, that's, based, that's based, on, based on my conversation uh, with uh, James Duffy, you know, okay. mm -hmm. you, you build a rocket, you build a scale project, you build it again, you build it again, you get better each time. And I'm like, so I'm going to try different paints. I'll try different cements. I'll try building... As the instructions say, from the bottom up, even though other people say build it from the top down. Maybe I didn't, you know, they look, it looked all right, but you have these three, it's a three-sided tower. Mm -hmm. You have spars that have to go together. They don't, they have little nibs and, and indentations yep. where they go, but you have to get them, you have to get that triangle shape just right, you know. Yep. I um, one. Yeah, so it's, it's. I've seen other people build it. I mean, I've seen other people bring it to launches and I know it is possible. <laughs> and I know that I just, it just didn't go right for me. And part of it may have, may have been that paint. Maybe it was that, uh, maybe I'll just try using CA instead of plastic. Cement. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll try different things. I'm just going <sighs> to. You will. This conquer is just, it. this, I will conquer will. it. This is just, to, this is just to say that I still believe, and I really do believe that, that if you want to build a, a more difficult rocket, you, you just need to do it. And you may screw it up, but you're probably not going to. You're probably not going to. And you're probably going to learn from it. And then next time you will be less likely to screw it up. But, you know, with my, with, with mur my murder sad. does feel, murder does feel good sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when I, when I started building my Saturn, like you're talking about, um, I bought three capsules, extra capsules. And I, and yeah. I had them before I started building. I'm like, okay, this, and my flying one has the tower, but I wrapped it in pet and, and packing tape, you know, like clear yeah. Packing tape, so if something happens, but boy, those things are tough. And I'm glad yep. I bought three because one of them I totally roached the first yeah. one. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know. This is the, the, I mean, you know, I figured, well, I built a Saturn V. Well, this, the Redstone Tower is actually a little, I find it a little harder because it doesn't, it, the, the, the new Saturn V is put together in such a way that it's, it goes together, I think, a little more easily than this Redstone. I mean, it's not, 
you know, you can do it, but it just it, it just wasn't sticking. It just wasn't sticking. And you, you had you know, me at the edge of the seat when you're describing <laughs> it. I got to tell you, I, I, you know, I've read, I read all the blogs, I read all the posts, I read, I, you know, I, I was following the advice. It just didn't work. And so, sometimes you know, sometimes you just screwed up. Sometimes you, your fingers just don't do what yeah. you want them to do. You know, I, I built one when I was a teenager, and I remember trying to use tweezers to hold it together, and 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 just, and I used the good old goopy, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Orange tube cement. And, and you know what? I, I remember, you know, when I was younger, you know, I, you know, I cared a little bit about aesthetics, but I, I also didn't. <laughs> so yeah, right. I remember, I remember at the base of that freaking caps or the base of that tower, the big goopy mess, you know, and, and, you know, the, <laughs> the model cement was the same color of the plastic after, you know, after I was yeah. done. But after I, remember, I, I remember my mom, she's like, here, use these. And I'm like, cause I could get it, you know, like, you know, that chubby hands, you know, I couldn't get that thing together. So I tried using the tweezers, like she said, and I was able to get it to stay, but yeah, it, it looked, it looked like a 14 year old person built it. And yeah, we, I launched it and crashed it the first day, you know? So, I mean, yeah. I haven't I mean, tackled it yet, but now, now I kind of want to. <laughs> I mean, the earlier versions, the earlier versions, you had to cut those spires out yes. of like toothpicks and stuff. So yep. it's like, we, we are no, lucky that plastic, we have. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I mean, like before you were, a, a, you know, a, yeah, kid, yeah. a kid, I mean, earlier, earlier still, they used like to make those. It was, oh, it was okay. little dowels yeah. and you had to wow. cut them and have you the had angle to cut on them. them. Yes. And, and it's like, uh, the, you know what? I don't want to do that one, but I'll do the plastic <laughs> one. Actually, I, I don't have, want to, um, <laughs> like, I have no, a, thank you. And I, I thought a, for a second, I was like, could I rebuild this out of toothpicks? And I thought, I'm not doing that to myself. <laughs> I actually have a four inch um, mercury redstone upscale, like an old one of the 70s, 80s that I got from an old yeah. rocket guy. And it's got the dowels. So wow. I haven't built that yet. And I'm sitting there. Yeah, it's bigger, but God, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> So once in a while, you guys will hear me mention Nick Goodwin out in the Washington area, and he's not really on social media that much anymore. But, um, you know, I remember a year and a half ago or so, you know, uh, he had built a four inch mercury redstone and uh, he actually was able to turn a capsule and uh, he used uh, small dowel rods like you guys are talking about to make, you know, the tower. And um, he went and bought those small mini cones from like a Hobby Lobby and was able to make the um, you know, the ejection tower, you know, pots yeah. and stuff like that. And it, after looking at this thing, um, we uh, took it to, uh, uh, I can't remember the fits down in uh, 2019 over in uh, Mansfield, Washington. And um, he was going to launch it there. And I remember probably spending a good 20 minutes looking at his tower. And, you know, he put it together with your favorite wood glue, Noob, that you've mentioned a few yeah. times. And, you know, I'm just looking at this thing. I was like, how did you do this? <laughs> some guys some guys just got it in them and you know like yeah. uh, you know we, we see Stan near it all the time right and he's like low power master now working for Locke yeah. imagine how mm -hmm. that happened but but anyway like you, you see the stuff that these guys can concoct together and I'm just hats off to you guys you know I'm, I mean I'm there are people who, there are people who've made <laughs> sculptures yeah. of out of toothpicks mm -hmm. and yep. and human hairs and Oh my god! I don't know what drives a person to do that or how they develop the skills to do that, but that's you know, that's what this is. There, there are certain, there's a certain, there's a certain level of difficulty beyond which I'm like, I, you know what? I think I'm, I'm good. Thanks. 
<laughs> I'm all right. Uh, more power um, to man, you. But you I know, do want to conquer this Estes Mercury Redstone. You know, when you do, because I've been wanting to tackle this four-inch Redstone of mine, and the tower mm-hmm. is what's stopping me. I've got the fins are on, the, the body's ready to go. It's got a resin cast kind of nose cone thing, so there's a lot of oh, detail man. in it. That's crazy. So, and the tower is removable. They built so you can remove it before flight. So yeah, it cool. just slides off. So I'm um, maybe when you when you get your capsules and you're ready, maybe I'll uh, join you and start yeah. to build my tower because it's been the thing. Yeah, this, I, this I can't. Honest John from SBR has me psyched, or, or it has me scared because you know everybody always talked about the high powered builders kit. Like most of them were just three or four fin with a nose cone, and you yeah. know Scott Finder comes around and you know Scott with his you know littles and stuff like that. They're really really cool, but. Like uh, I got one of the four inch honest Johns and I, I take that apart. You know, I take it out of the box and I lay it out on the table. And I, I look at the parts and I'm just kind of, you know, I can't do this. I'm not. <laughs> I, I did that with the Omega because I got a, one of yeah, an Omega yeah. and I'm sitting there going, holy crap, what yeah, are and, all these parts Noob, for? Yeah. And, and Noob has built tons of, well, I, I know that you built a few SBR kits and, you know, like some of these guys like really have vision, you know, creating their kits. So, you know, it started yeah. with them. How did they conjure up this stuff <laughs> so i don't yeah. know i don't know i, I honestly i like scratch builders listen i you know after talking to james duffy about scratch building uh skill mm-hmm. project and him and him talking about oh you just break it down in all these little parts i'm like yeah that sounds yeah. great i still i still <laughs> like, like i yeah. i understand what you, i understand the words you were saying i cannot make the leap <laughs> Hands don't do what brain wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we I listened to that pre- episode a couple of make times pretty rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that episode a couple of times with James, and I saw some of his pictures in the Narum, you know, uh, from Narum, and, you know, he's uh, in the Sport Rocketry magazine. He's got some of his pictures yeah. of his little Joe and yeah. stuff like that. And, I, yeah. you know, I, I take my glasses off, and I put the magazine an inch from my face, and I look at as much detail as I can from some of the pictures that that dude does, and to know that he's building these things scratch dumbfounds me. How do you <laughs> yeah. figure that out? You know, we, we look, we, these guys like, like Peter Alway, right? The history mm-hmm. that that guy has in his mind and the books that he's written and everybody kind of goes to him as the go-to for it. James mentions, mentions him in your last episode. And when I, I'm listening to that, I'm just like playing back everything in my head that I saw in the last three years. Uh, oh, and then when I was at Narum 60 in Pueblo, when I was here in Colorado, I walk over, you know, and look at these guys as models and I walk away because with my tail between my legs because (laughs) over, over advanced. And, you know, I just hope that the next generations of modelers continue to do this. We want to see Rocketeers do this for the next 20 to 40 years. So. All right. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining me guys. Um, It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this has been the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. We'll try and make it a little less uh, time before the next one. (laughs) We could talk forever. Catch you later. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. All right, that is the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. Sorry it was such a long time between this episode and the previous one. It shouldn't be as long between now and the next one. You know, it's just been a crazy year. But luckily, I have been recording a lot of stuff on the field and toward the end of the year for around the holidays. I've got at least one episode, maybe more than one episode's worth of stuff that I think is going to be a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And if, again, as always, if you want to give us a, a shout out, you can contact us. You can contact me 
on email, noob at themodelrocketshow.com. That's N-0-0-B at themodelrocketshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at rocketnoob. You can check out my blog, rocketnoob.blogspot.com. And as always, check out our show notes at themodelrocketshow.com. Can I say the name of the website enough times? That's my radio training. I know this is a podcast, so you can rewind if you want to, but, you know, that's the way it is. Anyway, we will be back shortly. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you later. This show is brought to you by the support of our sponsors and listeners. If you wish to support the show for just a few dollars a month, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the rocketry show. Don't forget to check out our sister show, therocketryshow.com, a program that is all about advanced and high-power rocketry. The views and opinions expressed on these programs are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Little Beth Entertainment or its sponsors.